It's time for security now. Steve Gibson is here, but he's here by the hair on his chinny chin chin. He almost fell prey to, he thinks, COVID-19. Steve's coughing. He's feeling better, but he is here, and there's lots to talk about, including the <laughs> latest Windows update fiasco. Uh, we'll also uh, talk a little bit about some of the best uh, COVID resources and information you can get. And then uh, why is open source software buggier than closed source software? It's all coming up next on Security Now. Security Now comes to you from Twit's LastPass Studios. Stay in control when it comes to your company's access points and authentication. LastPass makes enterprise-level security simple. Check out lastpass.com slash twit to learn more podcasts you love from people you trust this, this is twit this is security now with steve gibson episode 758 recorded tuesday march 17th 2020 the smb ghost fiasco this episode of security now is brought to you by thinkst Canary. Detect attackers on your network while avoiding irritating false alarms. Get the alerts that matter. For 10% off and a 60-day money-back guarantee, go to canary.tools twit and enter the code twit in the How Did You Hear About Us box. And by FreshBooks. You know you can be confident when tax time rolls around with FreshBooks because they make filing a walk in the park. Try it free for 30 days at freshbooks.com slash security now and by worldwide technology worldwide technology's advanced technology center is like no other testing and research lab in the world with over a hundred different security services and applications including oems like cisco umbrella and it's virtual so you can access it anywhere 24 7 to learn more about the atc and get insights into all it offers go to wwt.com slash twit it's time for Security Now, the show where we cover everything having to do with your security, including, I think this week, maybe a little bit of COVID-19. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend, Steve Gibson, who we hope lives long and prospers. That's my plan. Uh, I'm a I little worried Leo, when you told me the news. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, I've been very sick this past week, and that's unusual for me. Uh, the last time I was sick that uh, I'm aware of uh, was March 12th of 2015. That's how rare it is. Was, he knows the day. <laughs> it, was de it was determined by uh, someone. I think I must have mentioned it in the transcript. And so they went that. back and, yeah. and found it. And, of course, we also know that I've never missed a podcast never. because I've never been on my butt for one. And I remember March um, 5th, 2014, you said, I almost missed this podcast. I remember ah, that. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so, how that's um, how little you get sick. So, exactly. So, um, so I, you know, the first question you ask is, "Have I been tested?" Unfortunately, you know, that's the natural question to ask, and I I would be in first in line. Everyone knows. You know, at one point I was having so many blood tests during my my vitamin D natural vitamin D production that the phlebotomist who I rode up the elevator with at LabCorp every morning finally turned to me and said, what the hell is wrong with you? Um, the point being that I'm all protesting, but the truth is you can't get tested. I mean, and I'm not really sure except for the, 
it would be interesting to know about the spread of this because this is what's really interesting is what does our next few weeks look like. For example, I'm not if I'm positive, I'm not on anyone's map or anyone's chart. Um, I, I have verified that we have community spread in my neighborhood, oh, so wow. it exists. It exists here. Um, uh, so. So the fact so, – so for me, the fact that I'm so rarely sick and the fact that I happened to get sick last week, so, okay, that's – it could just be pure coincidence. The, but the second thing is that this it has a different trajectory for me than anything I'm used to. Um, I, me, I mentioned Have you ever had the seasonal flu or do you know what that feels like? Uh I don't know. I, I don't get seasonal it's flu. It's rare. People often get gastroenteritis, the the intestinal bug, and which is a norovirus, not the seasonal flu, and they call it the flu or the stomach flu. But if okay. you had the flu, you would know. And the only okay. reason, and I've never had it either. The only reason I mention that is because I think that that would give you some benchmark for what it would feel like to have this flu. Yeah. So you know, I've done a lot of reading and research, wondering what this was. Um, because there's still um, plenty of regular flu going around, you know. <laughs> right. And, and in fact, in but, fact, I, I was I was interested to see that when people are wanting to get the test, what they are first tested for is everything else that we already have lots of tests for in, in order to eliminate it being something other than COVID-19. Only if they're then negative for everything that we know about, then that qualifies them for to see if they're positive for COVID-19. Oh, that makes sense, so, yeah. So there's an elimination screen first, which is, you know, exactly what you would want to do. And then you get the real test. Uh, there was some new there was some company opened two mobile testing stations and it their, their locations were kept secret. But of course, nothing is secret. <laughs> they're these immediately days. jammed in, our, yeah. in, in social media. Right. Someone posted their oh, locations Lord. and they were instantly swamped. Which I mean, doesn't you work know, because... In order to give you the test, which is a laryngeal, laryngeal uh, probe, goes it's way down, fun. you cough, yes. they have to wear all that protective gear, and they have to change it in between each test. So they, the only time you're going to get tested in a drive through testing is if you have an appointment. They are not yes. equipped to handle people just driving up saying, test me! I understand there, there, that. There's a, it's, it's a uh, safety If there's issue. a laryngeal test, there's also th then there are two because the one I'm aware of, they they stick this Q-tip like further up your yeah. nose than you than you knew. It goes back down into your throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, That's right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, the the uh, I don't know. Someday I will know because the second there's an antibody test what You'll they're know. doing right now yeah, they're yeah, yeah. testing for for fragments of the virus's dna which they have located so they 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 uh they grab that they uh they uh, uh strip it apart they amplify it they turn the rna into dna so that it's able to replicate they they they, they then make it copy itself several million times so there's enough of it for them to see and then that they test. Wow, that's quite but, a process. The, the, no wonder it's, it is. You know. Yeah. Oh my God. And and the problem is, it's that the the test that we have now that process requires a whole bunch of of intermediate step reagents, and it's the reagents that we just don't have a stock of. Nobody was ready for this to happen. Mm -hmm. So 
so anyway, are the um, reagents specific to COVID nineteen or are they just generally the same? I don't tests. know enough about yeah. the the spread of tests, but right. what I have heard is that that's the shortage. That it right. is a it's just there isn't. Well, the CDC sent you know, out a, a non functional reagent at first. That was part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so so the antibody has been identified. There's a group of ten scientists. Uh, I don't remember where they are. Uh, who have demonstrated the antibody deactivating the virus. So they're jumping up and down. It was published in New Scientist a couple days ago. So, you know, there's lots of progress being made. Uh, The second I can get a test for the antibody, just it won't matter then, except to satisfy my own curiosity, I will do so to see whether I did have it. There were some reports of people getting reinfected and the medical community thinks that's extremely unlikely. They, they, they were in China. They said they got better than they got reinfected. They're thinking, you know, flawed tests in various stages. But, but apparently once you get this, you do, you are, you, your, your body responds with its immune response, generates antibodies to deal with it, and then you're better. And so that's what, to, to me, that's what feels different about this is that I'm, like, I mean, I'm still having fitful sleep and and well mm. i uh i my right eye became incredibly infected early or late last week this this began with a tickle in my throat monday night a week ago when i was working on the podcast and i thought hmm now i still have my tonsils so they're like they're like hair trigger um and they're the first indication that some foreigner is trying to get in um, and so it was worse Tuesday morning. Uh, I coughed a couple times during the podcast. I was self-conscious of it because I was aware I was probably getting didn't, sick. And didn't the, even notice. I cough all the time. So I didn't even notice. So, <laughs> and of course, I mentioned this to Lori and she immediately disinfected the entire house. Uh, you know, she went through medical school, so she understands a lot of this and has been a big help. We immediately put ourselves into, you know, separate bedrooms and, and we're, you know, normally we're, as you know, having been around us, we're very touchy-feely. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, now we cute. miss each other. I bet you do. I bet you do. It would be very hard <laughs> for me and Lisa. Yeah. 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 So, so it'll be interesting to see an, another data point. I mean, I desperately don't want her to get sick because oh. I, I'm I, um, so who knows uh, whether that'll happen or not. Um, so I don't know. Uh, so, the, you know, the coincidence of I mean like almost never getting sick except now. Oh, what I was going to say was that the trajectory of this feels different. Normally, if I'm hit by a virus, it's a two or three day deal and I dispatch with it. Yeah, you know, thank very you. Healthy. Immune, yeah. immune system. Yeah. It just, you know, I, I'm never sick. Even back before vitamin D in the GRC days where I had 23 people, you know, something would wash through as <laughs> unfortunately to quote, to, to quote Trump would wash through the company and I'd be the lone man standing. Everyone would, you know, at one point or another would just be nuked by this thing and just wouldn't get me. Or maybe I'd feel a little something and then it would, yeah. you know, go. So Me, me too. So I have Are a, you type I have a history of I don't know. I should know my blood type. Some, That's somewhere weird that I, I read, don't. probably specious, that uh, people with type O are uh, better, uh, less likely to get it than type A blood. Huh. But anyway, uh, I don't know. So, if that's so right. anyway, so yeah. so we'll, we're you know, Lori and I are on self-imposed quarantine, yeah. and like not only from the world but from each other. Um, I'm at probably day eight of symptom. 
I'm sounding much better right now. I'm really happy with this. I mean, I've got Kleenex around me, and I got I got tea instead of uh, milk based drink because that's you know better for phlegm. And uh, anyway, so I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to do this uh, a couple of days ago. It seemed unlikely. I took Sunday off, which I never do, uh, just because I just didn't have any steam. And and again, that's for me. That's sort of the indicator that that I'm not over this yet, and that my body is at war with something that's taking it three times its normal length of time so far to deal with. Normally, it just dispatches something very quickly. This time is different. So eh, I'm, I'm willing know. to accept that there's a high likelihood that you got it, and I'm Given glad you survived area, it's, it. it. It's in the area. It at like it took. I happened to get sick at this instant in time, which is like what you know how you know the very coincidental, um, and and also it just it has a different feel. Yeah. It, has, it feels like this is something my body's never encountered before. Yeah. So it's you know That's it's right. taken longer to to work up its antibody population and and deal with it, but. Anyway, so I just thought our listeners w might find it interesting. If uh, not that I'm representative of the population, I mean, this is I'm a. Well, you're almost sixty-five. Here, you're going to be sixty-five when soon, right? Next Thursday. Yeah. Happy birthday! Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you made yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I'm just. I mean, it seems so unlikely if this is COVID that that I didn't already infect Lori before I became symptomatic, before we even knew, although we did instantly uh, implement lockdown for ourselves living together uh, when we became suspicious of that. But so so that'll be interesting to see. She just got a pneumonia shot uh, a few weeks before. So she was thinking maybe that gave her system a little opportunistic mm, boost at maybe. a time yeah. when it might need, it. you know, we don't it, know. So it is we'll the case if you're older, you should have a pneumonia shot. I have one. And uh, that it that it is a good thing uh, in this case to have that. It helps a little help, a little protective, extra protective. Yeah, and in general, you know, of course, now we're 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 a day into a much increased lockdown, yeah. uh, which is I, I think makes so much sense. If you know, in theory, if I, I was thinking about this, if it had an R naught of one, then nothing would happen. Right. That is to say, if one person infected one other person, it would just sort of linearly and slowly move through the population. M measles has an R naught of about 18. If, th if this had that, it would be an atomic bomb. Yeah. I mean, it would it would just be over. If, if you think about the difference between one, nothing happens, and 18, it, it would just be an explosion of unbelievable magnitude. And it's been fun to watch all of the popular press trying to explain exponentiation to, to the general population. It's like, you know, don't, you don't understand yet. Uh, Have you never seen thing, a hockey stick? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the other thing is that I keep reading in the press, I was reading it about Orange County uh, just this morning. They, they were saying there are 17 cases in Orange County. And I thought, did you actually just write that? No, they're not. You don't know about me. And how, I mean, the point is, unless you've tested everybody, you can't cite any number. It's, there, you know, there are 17 people have who have been tested were positive. That you can say. But you can't say there are 17 cases in Orange County. Someone gave it to me. Who and, knows? And you don't, you haven't been able to get tested, so you're not in that number. Right. Which is right. ridiculous. I, so you've I, I tried, you've tried to get tested. 
And and what did your doctor say? Just we don't have any. Yeah, he said no. He said first of all, Steve, we we know you. Nothing knocks you down. He said you sound fine. You didn't ever. Oh, you he didn't never believe you. Well, no. I mean, he also knows me long enough to know that you know that I know what I, I know my body and I know what's going on. But the point is, and I don't really understand the logic of this. There are so few tests that they're rationing them. But I'm as valid a test subject um, because what they would always do is, as I, as I said to you, what they're doing is they're giving all the tests for all the other things that cause seasonal stuff. And only if you're negative for all of them, that is if they show that it's not any of the things we know about, then you get the special unavailable COVID-19 test. So I'd love to take all of those other things. Anyway, he just said, I'm busy, go away. And, and also, I, don't, I was already thinking, because normally I go in for my annual physical on my birthday. And I was thinking, uh, I'm not sure I want to go into a doctor's office during a period of a global pandemic because there are going to be sick people there. Um, of course, that was before I became symptomatic. So I'm not sure how I feel right now. I think I'll, <laughs> I'll wait till the summer or at least till we get. See, the, the other thing is, we don't yet, we haven't seen what China has seen. As a consequence purely of the draconian measures they implemented, they've seen, they've hit a peak and they've reversed it. We've seen so far no reversal. And you don't know anything about the future until you see a reversal. That's the, the indication. And, and of course, you know, you don't really know anything until you get tests and it's looking like we're going to we're going to end up probably having many 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 more sick people than yeah, we yeah. expect that's obvious. because we just don't, we just know, don't know how many people yeah. are are still pre yeah i'm assuming everybody i come into contact with is sick <laughs> so i'm trying not to come in contact with them but we yeah. you know and and i we should mention that we have instituted uh, policies here. We're in one of the uh, lockdown counties, or will be. Seven of the Bay Area counties are locked down. Sonoma County, our county, is about to. Oh, Steve, geez. Poor guy. Oh. <laughs> Sonoma's about to join that. Uh, you're in Orange County, not locked down, but I think that this lockdown will go nationwide at some point, which means our employee, even though we're considered essential, media companies are essential, radio is essential, and media companies. Uh, we're most of our employees are home right now. Carson's home right now. We have a skeleton crew that comes in. Our we need an engineer here to set up the board, but they're in another room. I'm in my office. I'm doing the whole day, and we'll continue to do all the shows from my office, which only I enter. Not even the cleaners come in here. I've locked it, and so if it's got germs, it's only my germs. It's only Leo germs. And then, of course, I'm staying inside. Which at home. your body already knows all about. It knows, it's got the antibodies. And then uh, Lisa and Michael and I are, are staying at home, and nobody's coming over. Um, you know, uh, I, actually, this morning, my trainer uh, FaceTimed me. So uh, we have a little home gym. So I was able to work out at home because they closed the gym, but I was able to work out at home with my trainer on FaceTime. You know, I didn't see her, but she, she could see me. And that worked great. So we're we're doing everything we can to keep our family, our Twit family, uh, safe, and I hope you are too, wherever you are. And Steve, you're scaring me. This the we got to get to nine ninety nine. That's all I'm saying. Well, <laughs> I hope there's an antibody test before we run out of digits. Well, it'd be here because... yeah, it'd be cu curious to know. It sure sounds like the one, the one, the only data point is that you didn't get a fever at all, right? 
Yes, although there are asymptomatic, there are completely asymptomatic uh, uh, carriers of the virus. That's what's we know so that weird for, about this, right? We know that for sure. But you now. weren't asymptomatic; the, you just got a different set of symptoms. Well, no, and so and so the point is, there's a range from right. asymptomatic to oh my God, get ye to the right. hospital. Right. Um, and you know, I mean, I've def- I mean, I've been symptomatic of something. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, that's and, clear. And, you know, and so. But the fact uh, that you didn't tonsils, have a temperature. Maybe that maybe you got something else. Maybe it was just a bad cold. We'll I've been taking someday. our temperatures. We have an Insta Read thermometer. I've been taking uh, Lisa Michael Boy, my temperature have, have every you day. Seen those are now. Have you seen those are now four hundred dollars? I'm trying to Amazon. find them because I want to get one for my daughter. She's not <laughs> feeling well. Yeah. Yep. No. Yeah. Because uh, but the good thing is it's one of the in ear ones. It goes beep beep, and yep. um, I take our temperature every day, hoping I have. One. I have one too. I got it due, due to those E. coli experiences yeah. from soup plantation before I wised up and said, okay, no, no, no more tainted salad. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, COVID is not the topic of the show. We talk about security. But really, COVID is part of the security scene, right? I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, for instance, the HSS, HHS got they tried to hackers tried to break into it. Oh my God! I know several attacks on 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 different health related organizations in the last week just because you know they got to you know aim their bots at somebody. So let, you know <laughs> let's get into the news by attacking uh, a group that are trying to help the planet. And anyway, I just wanted to say, go ahead. Well, no, I just want to say that 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 the sequestration is the key. Yes. If if we could instantly separate everybody this thing would burn out in right. in 14 to 21 days that well, is, is you know it would it would immediately it would be over and and so and you know and we're expecting to have more it's interesting too that that we sort of have to be convinced of this because it's enough of an inconvenience for most people. I have about a five-minute drive from where Lori and I are to where I go to work in, in my original Fortress of Solitude here every day. Uh, yesterday morning, whoa. So – and I'm commuting at – There's nobody is, out five, there, five, is there? Five mile, No. Yeah. The traffic just disappeared. It was – you know, it did not look like 8 a.m. on a Monday uh, the way it normally looks. So, so I guess, th- you know, this is enough of an inconvenience that people need to be convinced from the evidence th- that this is necessary. And the, but the problem is due to this time delay and the, the, the nature of exponential growth, by the time you get convincing evidence, you're already way past a point right. that you, where, that you could have been. Right. So, uh, as uh, what's his name? Uh, Fauci. Uh, Dr. Fauci, Fauci said. Yeah. He said, "I'd far rather be accused of having overreacted than underreact and see the results of of not having done so." The an- analogy, the analog of this is the Y two K bug, which everybody said, "Well, see, nothing happened, nothing wrong, nothing went wrong." Yeah, only because everybody worked their buns off. Yes. To make sure yes. nothing went wrong. Yes, it was that that's a perfect example that the, the general public didn't see all the engineers right. checking for this months in uh, months beforehand. So let's hope you know, and, let's hope that, and it was, that we are the guys coming in off the golf course to to write our co- rewrite our COBOL programs and if we do well, it right everybody say see there was no problem. 
or the, or the Chinese restaurant program that I was involved with, Leo, because it was only there that it went from 1999 to 1900. <laughs> I, I, this is probably a story you've told. I don't remember it. The Chinese <laughs> restaurant project? Yeah. The, uh, uh, for... Uh, I, there was a place, the Mandarin Gourmet. Nineteen one hundred. Isn't that perfect? That's not. Oh. A, that's not the bug we were hoping for, <laughs> or we were looking for. Oh. Actually, everything would probably work if it went to nineteen one hundred. It was two thousand and confused people. Yeah, they were just unhappy uh, that they were just unhappy that the receipts said nineteen one hundred. <laughs> And, and and so they knew I was a sort of a computer guy. It was my it, Steve, it was the most Steve, free soup. Just fix this. It was it was the best hot and sour soup and <laughs> and and Szechuan string beans anywhere. So they said, uh, "Can we? Can you do anything about this?" And I said, "Well, uh, we need to concern ourselves about when leap year happens because you'd like to have February oh, 29th happen at the same time." Yep. I said, "But if we were to just move the date back to." a similar to a synchronized calendar then you wouldn't have a five digit date any longer it wouldn't be the it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't be, the be the right, right date. year but it'd and, be the and right he's day. like oh perfect i said but no but i could really do more and he said no 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 that's good that's enough. fine that's brilliant thank you and i said oh okay that explains but then, why you... then a few a few months later oh, on your receipt it says february 29th <laughs> 1904 if you were wondering that's why right. Now you know. Oh my God! That's right. Oh my God! And then God. it was a few a, f a few months later. They had a bigger problem. Uh, Gerald came to me and he said, uh, "Orange County's changing our tax rate." Uh oh. And I said, "Oh." And he said, "So now we're in real trouble." He said, "Because <laughs> no all of the amounts are going to be wrong <laughs> on all of our checks." And I sighed and I said, "Okay, let me let me take a look at this." So I, I copied the software onto a zip drive oh my God. and brought it home. You know, you, to, you had to disassemble it, right? It was uh, I did. I, oh I had to hack it. I went in. Uh, what I did was I knew what the current tax rate was. And so I converted that into floating point to see what the floating point representation was of the current tax rate. Then I searched the code for that string of bytes which would represent the, the current tax rate. And I found it. There was exactly one hit on it. And so then I computed the, the floating point representation for the new tax rate and just patched it in. Uh, I held my breath, crossed my fingers, and it worked. Amazing. So I was able to just do a binary hack of their existing software. Didn't have to reverse assemble it or do anything. I just went in and went Gink! and fixed the tax code where it was... Uh, you know, in, in floating point representation. Back in the day, that's how we would uh, take copy protection that's out of disks. That's the way we little, solve these problems, hex children. editor, a little bit of uh, editing, uh, make sure it's not bigger than the original, and you're good. Just change the jump. <clears throat> so, uh, this week, we're actually going to talk about other things. We take a deep dive into the many repercussions preceding and following Last week's Patch Tuesday, and oh my God, Leo, this is a drama. <sighs> I am Wouldn't never, nice I mean, have... I have taken windows <laughs> off of everything. That is, it's <laughs> just unacceptable. I know. No, wouldn't it be nice to Every have a quiet month. Patch Tuesday for Every a change? Month. Every month. Um, 
But also we're going to look at a nice listing of free services being maintained by Bleeping Computers, Lawrence Abrams. We're going to look at a recent report into the state of open source software vulnerabilities. What's going on over there? And, oh, Leo, at a new and truly despicable and I don't never use that word before. It just never occurred to me. But wait till you hear about this despicable legislation aimed at forcing social media companies to provide lawful access to their customers' mm-hmm. encrypted content. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have a fabulous picture of the week. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's take uh, our first break, and then we'll get into it. Indeed, indeed. I've got my jug of vitamin C, and I'm slurping it right now. <laughs> you scared me. <laughs> you slurp some, too, while I talk a little bit about... You know, if you got a bug on your uh, on your network, you're going to be glad that there's a canary in that coal mine. I'm talking about an advanced, persistent threat. Bad guys who wander your network unhampered, unnoticed for months. Could be even longer. How long? Uh, how long were they in the... A Starwood uh, reservation system. I think it was four, couple of years, four years, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they were in the Sony uh, network for months. If they'd only had one of these, see that that little black box I got here? It's about the size of a deck of cards. That is a Thinkst Canary. It is an easy to configure, easy to set up, easy to use honeypot. Something that will attract the bad guys. Doesn't look vulnerable. Looks valuable. But the minute they hit that canary, you will get an alert. And it is awesome. In fact, the best thing of all is when your canary is not singing and you know, hey, everything's okay. Data breaches are on the rise. It's unfortunate. Companies often find out way too late they've been compromised, even if they spend millions on IT security. Canary is a small, affordable, easy-to-use, no-maintenance device that, that, that does one thing, but it does it beautifully. It's designed to be installed, configured, and most likely forgotten in minutes. The nice thing is you're not going to get bombarded with alerts. You can decide how you want to be told email or text message. You can have a console. I, we have it hooked up to Slack. It supports webhooks, syslog. They even have an API. So you could have your own dashboard if you want. Alerts, though, are dead simple. They're easy to work with, conform to your needs, not the other way around. It's all because of the Thinkst Canary because the guys at Thinkst have been doing this for a long, long time. They've been training companies, militaries, and governments for more than two decades on how to break into networks. They know they know how his stuff works, and they are there. There are canaries deployed all over the world. I can't tell you the names of the companies, but I can tell you seven continents, all seven continents. That'll tell you something. On average, it takes a company 191 days to realize there's somebody in the network. Canary is the way to know. It looks like whatever you want it to look like. I've got mine configured uh, like a Synology NAS. Same MAC address and everything. Uh, Same UI. If the bad guy sees the Synology NAS in the network and tries to log in, I'm going to get an alert, but I'm also going to see how they logged in, which is going to tell me something about what they already know. Are they using our controller's login? You know, that tells you something they already know. But it's not a NAS. It's a canary. It can look like anything, a Windows server, a switch, a Linux box, a router. It can look like a SCADA device. See, if the Iranians had these, (laughs) they'd be all set. Actually, I'm glad they didn't, but you should. 
You can put fake files on them. You can enroll them in Active Directory. So they look exactly like the real deal. When attackers just touch it, just touch it, they'll give themselves away and you'll be notified instantly. You can also create Canary tokens, which is great. An unlimited number. Those are files. They look like PDFs, Word documents, Excel spreadsheets. You could spread all over the place. When they're open, they phone home to your canary within your network. So even that traffic looks normal. But you get the alert. I have a few tokens spread around uh, saying things like payroll information, <laughs> social security numbers, that kind of thing. Things canaries are amazing. If you want to know... There are a few people who use them who don't mind you know, and there are a bunch of great tweets telling you about the canary and how much they love it. It's canary.tools/love. Um, if you go to canary.tools/twit right now, canary.tools/twit, uh, you're going to get a deal. Uh, as an example, five canaries, just seventy five hundred bucks a year. That includes a hosted console, all upgrades, support. If anything goes wrong, they just send you a new one. If you use the code TWIT in the How Did You Hear About Us box, 10% off for life. You're now enrolled in the 10% off program forever. We know you're going to love the Thinks Canary. I do. This thing is this is such a good idea. A honeypot that's easy to set up, easy to configure, hard to detect, and hackers, man, it's like just little mousetraps all over your network. Some big companies have hundreds of them. Small company like ours might just have a few. If you're not happy, you can always return your canaries. There's a two-month... Money-back guarantee, 60 days for a full refund, so there's no risk at all. Canary.tools slash twit. Use the code twit in the How Did You Hear About Us box. Thank you, Thinkst. Thank you. Not only for making the Canaries, uh, but for buying ads on twit and on security now, keeping us afloat. Canary.tools slash twit. Use the offer code twit. Steve? <laughs> so I love this. I just, and I agree I with it. Yes, our picture of the week. Uh, my my best buddies tweeted us uh, iMessages to me, and I grabbed it and thought it was perfect. So we have the headline: Coronavirus lockdown rules. Do not travel. Do not socialize. Remain inside. And then the effect of those rules on two groups of people: normal people in the first frame looks like somebody who's just had, you know. His beloved break up with him or something. I mean, he's very distraught, like over the, oh, over the top. And then the second group, gamers. Yeah. Yeah, Apparently. baby. Uh. And this is like, okay, do not travel. No problem. Do not socialize. That's how I roll. And remain inside. Where would I go? So... Yeah, and is this, does this look like Tom Cruise to you? It you is Tom that Cruise. Is? That's the crazy okay. Tom Cruise. I think that's when he was on Oprah, and he was talking about his new relationship. And uh, oh, when he was when he he jumped, jumped around up on, on the, the chair. Couch. Yeah, I think oh, that's. Oh yeah, yeah. I, th I think that that's from that moment. Was that Oprah or was that Ellen? The whose uh, whose chair he jumped man, up? It actually, looks like Ellen, but I think it was Oprah. But anyway, does it matter, Steve? I'm surprised you even me. know who I'm, Ellen and Oprah are. Uh, I am too, Leo. Frankly, you are the pop king, and I'm. Oh no! I, I, what's pop? I, am, I, <laughs> I, I might be a little ahead of you, but not much. Um, you know, this isn't just gamers. All of us. That's the funny thing. All of us are going. Yeah, great. I'll have more time to code. Okay, I can finally read that book. Well, and as we know, for me, I'm. 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 My life is already. It's no different. You know, 
like that. Exactly. Yeah. Except I'm no longer getting my coffee from Starbucks in the morning because thank you anyway. Uh, I'm back to making it myself. <laughs> Would so. you like some uh, COVID-19 with that, sir? <laughs> yeah. A shot of well, COVID-19. Think about it. If somebody, if, if, a, if a barista w- did not have clean hands, right. they're snapping that plastic lid on every single paper cup right. that goes out. Can you and imagine? then you're putting, you're putting your mouth on yeah. it. Exactly. So it doesn't get uh, any more. It's been an opportunity for Lisa and I to do uh, more cooking. And we don't go out to eat. We cook and we, and um, we cooked, I cooked up a big batch of spaghetti sauce and vegetarian uh, black bean chili last night. I just, I mean, we got, it's fun. Actually, I'm I'm having a great time. I got I took my uh, sourdough out of the starter. I'm gonna make some bread. It's good. It's good times. Yes, it's it's a sad time at the Houlihan's Bar, however. Yeah, because, uh, on St. Patrick's no, Day too. St. Patrick's Day, nothing's uh, happening. Okay, so Patch Tuesday Redux. Oh, We're actually geez. gonna do this in two parts. I forgot to mention uh, that the title of episode 758 is. The SMB ghost fiasco, um, which is one of the things that arose from Microsoft's uh, (laughs) – the interesting nature of their rollout and pullback and then delivery of a patch for an important vulnerability. So looking first at just Patch Tuesday, uh, every single Patch Tuesday so far – well, okay, there have only been three of them this year, but still, it's resulted, in, as we know, in a flurry of after-effects scrambling of one sort or another. Last week's Patch Tuesday did not break the pattern. Um, and you know, it seems that increasingly, as Microsoft works to fix one problem, another one springs up. And as I, as I was thinking about this yesterday, I was immediately put in mind of one of the most famous Three Stooges episodes titled A Plumbing We Will Go which uh, I have a link to. Just, it's all a, a, a snippet from it. It's a minute and 40 seconds from a much from a 17-minute episode. But, but Curly... Every time Curly has a pipe, it gets worse. Uh, oh, God. It's just so brilliant. Curly, of course, uh, has very sh- short hair. Uh, he he, he ch- attempts to solve the problem of the shower leaking by sticking a pu- by screwing a pipe into it and then he's all happy until he turns around and realizes that that there's a T junction on the end of the pipe and now there's two uh, fountains of water coming out so of course the point is that rather than thinking that maybe he needs to rethink his strategy he thinks like Microsoft that the strategy is good. I just need more of the same. So, of course, he continues adding pipes to this contraption until he ends up. We'll, we'll see here toward the end. He's he's basically jailed himself in a in a containment. It, it really is a funny episode. It is. It's, uh, it's no longer politically correct, but it is. Uh, it is quite funny. None of the, none of these are. Uh, yeah, he's got. Oh, oh, and there he is. There he is. Oh. <laughs> That's Microsoft uh, in a nutshell, right there. That's Windows, right there. That's exactly what the code of Windows the, looks like. This is the analogy for Windows Patch Tuesday: is you just keep adding pipes to the leaks, and it it solves the leak where it was, but oops, it springs out at the end of the pipe. So, we have a whopping 
117 vulnerabilities. Oh, I didn't count them myself, and I saw 115, 116, 117. So you get the sense of scale depending upon who you ask. But in any event, 25 of them are rated critical. All of them, all of the critical ones, enable remote code execution and in some cases, privilege elevation. Uh, in addition, that that 25 are fleshed out by 91 rated as important and then a single one at moderate. The top 20 of the 25 critical vulnerabilities are the most interesting. And believe it or not, Leo, I can't believe it, it's 2020. Windows is still having problems with link files, with .lnk files. Oh my Remember God. Windows 95, anyone? <clears throat> Unbelievable. We have CVE I swear to God, this 20... is why I've switched to Linux. I, 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 this, this doesn't happen. This just doesn't happen. CVE 2020-0884 describes, get this, a remote code execution vulnerability in, in Windows occurring when a user opens a specially crafted and malicious link file, which is just supposed to be a pointer to something else. Uh, uh, so this file could be, this link file could be presented to the victim on a removable drive or a, a remote share and when opened would execute a malicious binary embedded in the link file. So it's a sort of self-contained buffer overflow in a Windows link file. And what's significant about this is that since link files are non-executable, they are often passed over by any channel monitoring AV system in the interest of its saving time. They're, they're, you know, these AV systems are desperate not to slow things down because they're already criticized for the fact that they do, in fact, impede the flow because they've got to open everything up and see if anything looks bad. So when they see a, a link file, it's like, ah, that's just a link file. We're fine. And it lets it by. Except now, that so that allows them to bypass AV system protections uh, and which makes this worse. So one of the 25 was <clears throat> a remote code execution provided in a Windows link file. Then we had four memory corruption vulnerabilities in Microsoft's Media Foundation. Any four of those could allow an attacker to gain the ability to install programs, view, change, or delete data, or create new user accounts on the victim's machine. <laughs> None of that's good. And worse, a user might have run afoul of this merely by accessing a malicious file uh, or a web page, so it's easy to encounter. Attackers are most likely to try and exploit this vulnerability via spam email with malicious links and attachments. And I didn't dig any further in, but it sounds like we have four still surviving buffer overflows somewhere in the media content interpretation. We've often seen how difficult it is to get everything right in, in interpreters, but Microsoft still hasn't managed to. And, you know, Leo, doesn't it feel like like with, with Curly and Bathtub, we're not making progress on this problem? I mean, it's just like, when is this going to end? It's the, the 117 things to patch now. Uh, anyway, next up, and I had to count them, I counted 10. Uh, so half of the top 20 of the important vulnerabilities were all found in the way Microsoft's Chakra Core scripting engine, which, of course, is the engine Microsoft wrote from scratch 
for the first attempt at its illustrious brand new Edge web browser, which of course it later abandoned, uh, uh, which an Edge, of course, replaced the creaky old Internet Explorer. In every one of these 10 different instances, an attacker could successfully corrupt <coughs> I've been suppressing a cough for a while could corrupt the victim machine's memory in a way that would allow them to execute arbitrary code in the context of the current user. Given that our web browsers are now the way we reach out onto the internet and expose ourselves, I'm sure everyone is happy with Microsoft's decision to simply put their own window dressing around the open source community developed and maintained Chromium web browser. But until you switch to that, 10 problems have been found, serious remote code execution problems in the original Chakra Core engine for Edge. Uh, then we had two additional critical code <coughs> remote excuse me remote code execution vulnerabilities fixed in the VB script engine. That's not the JScript DLL. That's which is the old one that earlier versions of IE used, but but IE eleven doesn't use. But it still would get invoked. The, this is JScript DLL, which is what IE eleven now uses. So an attacker could. Uh, exploit those two bugs by tricking the user into visiting a specially crafted website uh, in, under uh, in IE 11 uh, or by marking an ActiveX control safe for initialization in an application or Microsoft Office document that hosts the IE 11 rendering engine, as many of them do. So these bugs, fortunately, well, there's only two of them, uh, specifically require some user interaction and would rely on some form of social engineering on the attacker's part. Although they're both rated critical and the remote, remote code execution, uh, uh, you have to like first go there and then load a document and then get it executed. So uh, it requires more jumping through hoops, but that's not that high a bar these days. So uh, uh, we wrap up the top 20 with two final ones, uh, uh, 2020-0881 and 0883, also remote code execution vulnerabilities, These this time in GDI+. Plus. Um, they're trickier uh, uh, because it's much more necessary for an attacker to get the user to jump through some hoops, but uh, given that that can be done, you know, they were rated critical and Microsoft has patched them now. So, I'm going to I'm going to stop talking about last Tuesday because something way more bizarre and th that had the whole industry scratching its head happened last week which I decided needed its own treatment and it's the the title of the podcast the SMB ghost fiasco uh where I don't hold Microsoft to blame uh, in, at fault in I mean, the, it's bad that they had the problem, uh, but it's a weird set of coincidences that caused them to really create a mess. So we will wrap up by talking about that. I did want to note um, that last week we uh, mentioned four companies, Microsoft, Google, Cisco, and LogMeIn, who are all making their various telecommuting resources available for, in the case of Google, Cisco, and LogMeIn, 90 days. In the, of my, in, the, in the case of Microsoft, 120 days. 
uh, sorry, 180 days to help with, you know, minimize the impact of lifestyle changes being driven by the need for isolation. Of course, that's more important today than it was a week ago. So that's even more significant. I stumbled upon this. Uh, Bleeping Computers Lawrence Abrams uh, is now created and has expanded upon this and is actively maintaining a page. Uh, I've got a link to it in the show notes. I imagine if you were to Google list of free software and services during coronavirus outbreak, that's in the tail of his URL, you would probably find it. He wrote on that page, in response to the coronavirus, COVID-19 outbreak, many organizations are asking their employees to work remotely. This, though, brings new challenges to the workplace as users adapt to video meetings, screen sharing, and the use of remote collaboration tools. To assist a new wave of remote works and get some publicity at the same time, many software developers and service providers have started to offer free licenses or enhanced versions of their software and services. He says, below is a roundup of the free upgrades to services and software licenses being offered during the coronavirus outbreak. This is very handy. I've been looking for something like this. This is really good. Yeah. And he said, if you are a software developer or technology service provider and would like to add any free offers to the list, please contact us and let us know. So if I have helped to spread the word, I'm delightful. I'm delighted. delighted. And delightful. Said, uh, yes. Yeah, well, okay. <clears throat> Hopefully. <laughs> but I'm not coughing in everyone's ear. He's, uh, so uh, uh, I, rather than go through, he, he provides a detailed list of all of the vendors great. with descriptions of what they are doing. I'm, it would take two more. <coughs> Most of these are time limited, usually for three months or thereabout, which is right. the presumed, it would, it would presumptive take, time will be stuck inside. Right. It would take about two more podcasts to go yeah, through in list. detail yeah. what they're each doing. So here are the here are the vendors. Adobe, AT&T, Avid, which I thought was interesting. Cisco, Cloudflare, Discord, Drastic Technologies Limited. Google Instant House Call, LinkedIn, LogMeIn, Loom, Microsoft, OneClick, SplashTop, TechSmith, Zoho, and Zoom. So if you know any of those companies, you like their stuff, you might check with uh, Bleeping Computers List to see what is being offered uh, and, and whether that's of use to you. Somebody, um, a number of people tried Teams because Microsoft has offered that for free and it crashed. So uh, people tried it. It was down. Well, yeah, that's the other really interesting thing. Uh, there was a um, our, our buddy at Cloudflare uh, posted a blog about the observed change in traffic that yeah, they are seeing yeah. as a consequence of more people beginning to move to homework. A lot of people and, get ready because it's yeah. going to be a, a landslide over the next seven days. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, oh, and there was one other item. I noted that Lawrence did not include Pornhub, Leo, on his list oh. of special services being is offered free now? during this stay-at-home response <laughs> To the global pandemic. You and I have girlfriends. We don't really. <laughs> uh, it, but if you're all it, it alone, in, you know. Well, I got a surprise. Uh, it was in the news. So I went looking for the details to in, or, to, in order to put it into the show notes. And I figured I'd go to the horse's mouth. A Google search returned the headline, 
coronavirus-free video for quarantined Italians at Pornhub. Uh, what I was confronted with was definitely not the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <clears throat> uh, no, now I know why yes. you're coughing. <laughs> for, <laughs> for what is, yeah, do not go there, by the way, anybody. Yeah. I've never gone, and whoa, uh, it takes no prisoners. No. So um, they, anyway, they, I found a banner Pornhub is donating its March proceeds from oh, Model nice. Hub to support Italy during this unfortunate nice. time. Yeah. Model earnings will remain untouched. This is coming straight from Pornhub's share to help keep you you company during oh to help keep you company during these next weeks at home. Italy will also have free access to Pornhub Premium through the month. So it's looking better oh, at uh, being stuck in 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 so oh, <laughs> indoors man. if you're in Italy. Mm-hmm. Yes, never a dull moment for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's take a second break. I'm going to okay. sip some, yeah, some tea. Yeah, please, please keep keep uh, those those uh, vocal cords lubricated. Our show today brought to you by uh, FreshBooks. If you are a small business person, and I don't mean short in stature, I mean if you don't have an entire accounting team down the hall from you, you really need to know about FreshBooks. Fresh Tax time is, uh, I hate to think about it, less than a month away. But you don't need to worry. With FreshBooks, it's so easy. All your numbers are in one place, making filing your taxes so much easier. And, and, you know, what's great about FreshBooks, it started, and for me, when I started using it some years ago, I was it was the invoicing that attracted me. It makes it very easy to do invoices. But it turns out when you're making those invoices and sending them out, you suddenly, that's your accounts receivable, right? Money owed you. Uh, you also can put into your invoices your expenses uh, or, you know, just enter them in or even FreshBooks will download them from your bank. That's your expenses, accounts receivable expenses. It, FreshBooks knows when an invoice gets paid, so that's that's accounts that's your income. But you you got everything you need to do the bookkeeping, but you didn't have to do anything. Just make the invoices, and that's easy. FreshBooks has all it does the categorization uh, f- with taxes in mind, so they're tax friendly categories. Uh, it makes it easy. They have an expense tracking feature, that lets you connect to the bank account or the credit card every day. FreshBooks account automatically updated with your most recent spending, so you always know. In fact, what's cool is you always know if you're making a profit. Used to be I'd know around April 15th when I filed my taxes, oh, I made money this year. That's a not a good position to be in. You want to kind of keep up to date on that. Am I losing money? Maybe I should change something I'm doing. FreshBooks always lets you know. You'll never lose a receipt because the FreshBooks app lets you take a picture of the receipt, log it, let FreshBooks keep things organized for you in the cloud. It's it's great. They've added a lot of features because it's a web app. It's a it it's always adding features. You don't have to install new features. They just they just appear. And lately, one of the things they've really been working on is projects. So you can track your budget for projects. You can let your team keep tabs on what they're spending. Uh, it's easy to set up projects. Even make proposals within the FreshBooks app for clients. Get them to sign for it. You can bill your client. Uh, not only for expenses uh, for the project, but you can even have different hourly rates for different projects, even with the same client. So it keeps ta- track of hours as well. I just, uh, it even will add the markup. If you have a markup on expenses and pull them into the invoice automatically, FreshBooks integrates seamlessly mm-hmm. with everything you're using already. 
you know, if you're using Expensify or something like that. So you'll always know exactly where you stand in business. Tax time does not have to be rough on a small business. Use FreshBooks. You'll save time. You'll get everything organized, and it's painless. And by the way, your accountant, or if it's you, you, will thank you. Thank you, you. Visit FreshBooks.com slash security now. Enter security now in the How Did You Hear About Us box, and you'll get 30 days free. 30 days free. You'll be ready for text time and in no time. FreshBooks.com slash security now. Don't forget to use the uh, word security now in the How Did You Hear About Us box. For a limited time, by the way, FreshBooks is offering 50% off your first three months when you sign up for a paid plan. This is only for new customers. Offers can't be combined. But that's another reason to go right now to FreshBooks.com slash security now. Get 30 days free or 50% off your first three months. Actually, that that works out to more, isn't it? Yeah. FreshBooks.com slash security now and use the offer code security now in checkout. Thank you, FreshBooks. We really appreciate the support. This is a tough time for every business, but FreshBooks is there to help. That's interesting. I wonder what's what'll happen with April fifteenth deadline. I think they already said um, you have ninety days uh, to pay. Ah, uh, I think they're the federal extend, government says extend the, in, normally the filing you can deadline. file and do an extension, but you still have to pay. You can now do an extension and you can defer payment as well. I think for up to ninety days. That's what. At least That's a nice bit of cash relief. They have to yeah. do stuff like this. Uh, many states are uh, making it so that you don't can't get evicted. Uh, that you can't get your power turned off. I mean, there's a lot of people who are going home without a job, with, in some cases without a severance check. They're just on the streets, and this is tough well, and for all of us. I wish there was some way to say, don't send me $1,000, because I'd much rather give it to, like, have it spread around people who really need it. I, I'm oh, not impacted point. by this. You know, I know, but, you know, so, I, yeah. But I there's no way to, to, there's no way to do that. But right. um, I guess I could donate it to a charity or something, but. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So, the state of open source vulnerabilities. This was cool. Uh, I had to be very careful in the reporting on this because th this company, White Source, uh, looks like they're sort of competing with the systems in place for dealing with open source vulnerabilities. So, there was a little bit of a nanny na kind of thing, which I had to filter out. Uh, but they, but at least they did the work of surveying 650 developers that nobody else did. So they collected some data, uh, and it actually wasn't surprising, um, which in itself is interesting. Uh, they collected data from 650 developers from the National Vulnerabilities Database, from security advisories, peer-reviewed vulnerability databases, issue trackers, and other sources. That allowed them to formulate a snapshot of the state of software vulnerabilities among open source projects. I have a, a link to their page that makes you put in a, uh, 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 an email address in order to get the PDF. It's like, okay, fine. Uh, but uh, I have it. So uh, Sophos was a little bit brutal uh, in their summary of the report. Uh, they wrote, open source bugs have skyrocketed in the last year. They said, according to a report from open source license management and security software vendor, White Source. Yeah, that, thus, the, the bit of a competitive challenge. The number of open source bugs sat steady at just over 4,000 
in 2017 and 2018, the report said, having more than doubled the number of bugs from pre-2017. In fact, we can see that in the chart below where it was like much lower Then there was a big jump at 2017 and 2018, which were about the same, and then another <clears throat> nearly 50% increase last year. So something's going on. And the question is, what? Uh, the CWE, that's the Common Weaknesses Enumeration System, which broadly classifies bug types, uh, in the report states that by far the most common CWE encountered in the open source world is cross-site scripting uh, problems. That's so, you know, that's not a surprise. That's been an ongoing problem. Um, that accounted for nearly a quarter of all bugs, and it was the it was the top for all languages except C. Cross-site scripting was followed by improper input validation, then by buffer errors. Let me guess then, what C was. <laughs> <laughs> then out-of-bound reads and information disclosure. You're probably right. It's probably the buffer handling yeah, things yeah. that C <clears throat> is like makes so C easy to get does wrong. There's no range checking, and uh, yep. it's easy to go outside the buffer accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. I mean, they absolutely no checking whatsoever yeah. you get a pointer to ram right and you're supposed Anywhere to not go be <laughs> below it i mean and many c techniques like just to to scan the oh, buffer yeah. you increment the pointer 90 well, percent of you, what you learn in c is pointers and pointers to pointers referencing yep. and dereferencing and tricks thereon. Yep. That's mostly That's what people a lot do. Of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, and you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. We used to have, uh, in the old basic days, peek and poke. It's kind of like that. You know, you, could, you <laughs> yeah. can look anywhere in memory, and you can put anything anywhere you want. Yeah, now it turns out that Pornhub has peek and peek poke. Peek and poke Leo. as well, so, yes. It's another That's matter, right. Yeah. So I, uh, there's this, also... These numbers bother me because I think the difference is with open source... It's it's open, and so you you have these CVEs and the CWEs, and you have there's a lot of them. The issue to I feel like it's fud against open source. You, you just don't have as many in closed source because uh, it's not open. So you, correct people no don't know about able, the bugs. Yes. Okay. Shall we say Microsoft Windows? Yeah. You know we're not lacking yeah. for bugs in Windows. But yeah. They, they don't. You know. And the <laughs> other thing is, of course, they get fixed, and I think they get fixed right, not by Curly. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then there are use after free problems where you, where your language allocated uh, some dynamic memory to hold something. You got a handle to it, which is often a pointer. And then the system garbage collected it or you released the memory, returning it to the system, but you still have the handle. So if, if, the, if the language you're using doesn't invalidate the handle to prevent its use, uh, you're able to access memory that could be you, or rather an, an attacker, access memory that could be pointing to anything at that point. So that distri distribution of the bugs is no surprise. That's the common bell curve of distribution. Um, so there's been no explosion over the, over the years in any one particular class of bug. What we want to know is whether the increased numbers arise from there actually being more bugs per line of code, that is, the reduced quality of code, um, or 
Is it increased scrutiny of the same quality code, which, as we know, will reveal more previously undiscovered bugs? Or is it that there's been a rise in the quantity of similar quality code, thus naturally resulting in a higher bug count? You know, no, like is, it, and we know, we know that the open source community is way more active now than it was four years like, ago. But, and, and, and to be fair, uh, it's all three. Because anybody can contribute to an open source project. So it, yep. it's not like there's any, you know, you have to pass a test to get it to become an open source a contributor. But I think open source projects generally do very well. Um, I don't know. I, I feel better running open source. And I have to say, when I'm using Linux, I'm just going, thank God I'm not using Windows. And well, you know, and, I mean, and it's extremely handy. I, I needed for, for Spinrite... Uh, and by the way, I love the little video clip you played in MacBreak Weekly about I don't know what it was. Oh, what's yeah. on? What's on the uh, the agenda for Tuesday? <laughs> well, MacBreak Weekly, Weekly, and endless discussions of Spinrite. That hasn't been so, true. You haven't even mentioned Spinrite in a long time. Not been true for a long so time. We'll I did I, in my de in my defense, but also historically, once upon a time. Back in the um, old days, yeah. I, well, and I, I have to say that it apparently was useful because, uh, you know, in, 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 the, in the selfie lines, many of our listeners are coming That's up right. with me with CDs to sign. They That's want right. autographs of their Spinrite right. memorabilia. So I, I got no problem with you plugging Spinrite. That's something everybody <laughs> needs to know about. So the good – and at this point, our listeners would desperately love – to have me plug spin right that is to have 6. a spin right to plug so <laughs> yeah. we're ahead. we're 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 heading he's there. working on it. he had to take a little time off but he's he'll get back so their report states given the continued increase of both open source usage and security research the number of reported open source vulnerabilities will surely keep rising in, <clears throat> in addition we're starting to see the open source community looking for new initiatives in order to address the chaos in the open source security process. And there's a little one bit of that, good, too. That is fair. Yeah. And they said one good example is the GitHub Security Lab, which aims to help researchers, open source project maintainers, and users to easily report suspected vulnerabilities in a secure manner without exposing a zero-day vulnerability to the world. And, and that's really a good point, that... I, <coughs> Excuse oh, man, me. Steve. <clears throat> you're, making me, never you're making me feel bad. <laughs> I am so <laughs> exhausted, Leo. I bet you But are. I'm going yeah. we'll to get through this. We'll wrap this soon and you can go back to bed. Uh, uh, I never really focused on that before. It's easy to keep a critical zero-day secret in proprietary closed-source exactly. software. Exactly. Since its discoverer only needs to privately contact the software's publisher. But in an inherently open world where all regular business is conducted publicly and in full view of the world, we need some mechanism to be able to operate behind the scenes. So it's very cool that we have the GitHub Security Lab to, to step in with that role. Yeah. And I think uh, the, and then, the telling statistic is that 85% of open source security vulnerabilities have already been fixed before disclosure. That that's the good news. That's what you really want. Yes, that means only fifteen yes, yes, percent yes. or zero days, or you know, I mean that that's a big difference. Did I did I skip that or did you see that? Uh, I saw. Like, it. I, never, I don't know if you said it. I, <laughs> yeah, I think maybe I skipped it. But that was 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Under the category, I did skip it. Under the category of good news, the report notes that over 85% of open source security vulnerabilities are fixed, are disclosed with a fix already available. Yeah. Uh, and they, and they said the tech giants, yes, tech giants have invested heavily in better securing and managing open source projects over the past few years. And the community is working hard at security research to publish newly discovered open source security vulnerabilities along with a fix. They said the fix will usually be an updated version or a patch for the vulnerable code. Um, uh, oh, and uh, one thing that's a little bit of a twist, I just, just to finish covering this comprehensively, uh, there's a growing number of vulnerability reports facing an insufficiency of developer resources, which are required to examine, evaluate, and repair them. Yeah. This suggests that we need a good triage system. We need them to be assigned useful priorities so that the ones that are really critical are, are handled first, you know, given that you can't do everything. It turns out that some recent changes have made this a bit more tricky. The report explains it. They said, the rising number of reported vulnerabilities demands the development teams quickly prioritize their security alerts. The CVSS, the Common Vulnerability Scoring System, is usually the go-to parameter for remediation prioritization. But should it be? CVSS was updated several times over the past few years. <clears throat> version 2 to version 3 and most recently version 3.1 in the hopes of achieving a measurable objective standard that helps support all organizations and industries however it has also changed the definition of what a high severity vulnerability is they said we looked at over 10,000 vulnerabilities from 2016 through 2019 and checked their CVSS V2, V3, and V3.1 to compare the severity breakdown of vulnerabilities in each scoring version over the past four years. The most noticeable change we saw in the update from version 2 to version 3 is that scores rose substantially since a vulnerability that would have been rated at 7.6 under CVSS version 2 would quickly find itself with a 9.8 under CVSS version 3. And they said with CVSS version 3, teams faced a higher number of, you know, running around with your hair on fire, <laughs> critical severity vulnerabilities. So there we, we're, the sense we got was that we don't yet have the prioritization tools necessary. That would be something to focus on for like for the community to focus on is, you know, let's get real about creating a, a useful distribution so that so that we're so that not everybody is given a nine point eight. If, if something doesn't absolutely really have to get fixed immediately, you know, it could live down in the sixes and sevens and, and, you know, it'll be dealt with not never, but once the really, you know, hair on fire deals are, are, are handled. So anyway, a useful, I thought a useful snapshot of where we are. No big change, uh, a big, 
a big absolute jump in the numbers, but only because there's so much more open source software activity today than there was four years ago. Uh, and I agree with you, Leo. Oh, I was going to mention that uh, SpinRight. Oh, that's what put me on the t on the SpinRight topic that we we uh, branched off to, is that I have a customized version of FreeDOS that I was able to create only thanks to the fact that it is open source. That the problem is that SpinRight 6.1 will be encountering many non-fat drives, and FreeDOS never expect to encounter right. a non-fat right. drive. It's so old. So it goes, yeah. it goes out and attempts to lo literally log on to them in succession at boot time, and it runs across something. It has what's well, like, what? <laughs> and it, in some cases, it just explodes. So well, I was good. able to go in. <laughs> I added a new config sys option, skip in it, which, can be which will be turned on in SpinWrite's case uh and it just says don't worry about anything out there we got that we'll be taking care of that here in the future just you go you know finish booting and then uh give us control cool okay now leo um uh i know sure you're if, peeved. if you should i'm not sure if you should take your blood pressure before or after this one well i know all about this one we've been talking about it for a while oh it is oh and what's sad oh. is they're sneaking this through during this covid crisis because they know that nobody will pay any attention to it. I, so, I even saw um, uh, one of them. I think Dick Blumenthal say we don't. I'm mention, so disappointed. I am too. I, we don't mention uh, anything about encryption. Yeah, what we're are not you talking, talking about, about encryption. Doesn't mention uh -huh. encryption. Well, you better explain. Okay, so it surely does appear that our government, uh, embodied by crypto naive politicians, maybe willfully so is one way or another going to figure out how to break into the encryption protection assets of American citizens. The most recent effort dubbed, oh no, boy, the, the Earn It Act yeah, is, you earn almost, it, is almost despicable. Okay, first of all, Earn It is the most tortured abbreviation we've encountered <laughs> in some time. It's earn called it. a retronym. Oh, my God. They, they, they come up with the name, and then they say what it stands for. They figure it never out. Never has that been more obvious <laughs> than now. Yeah. It stands for eliminating abusive and rampant neglect oh. of interactive technologies. We've been neglecting them. I think Lindsay was so proud of himself. <laughs> okay. So Lindsay get a load Graham. of this. It's Lindsay Graham and Dick Blumenthal, the get a load sponsors of this. Of this. Yeah. Uh, what is it? that strong data encrypting companies would be earning. The legislation proposes to strip the, to strip the protection provided by Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act from certain apps and companies which would then hold them responsible for user-uploaded content unless they provide a means for lawful access to their encryption-protected content. The, in other words, they're holding ransom. The, yeah, because these the are unrelated harmless. issues. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're, they're completely independent. They're, they're ransoming this necessary section of, 
of uh, this Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which social media companies have to have. Uh, and it, and it, everything about this is slimy. So in other words, the legal protections that currently serve, they're in place to hold all of our online social media companies harmless for whatever their users post would now need to be earned by allowing law enforcement to have decryption access. Sadly, earn it is a bipartisan effort, having been introduced by no surprise anti-encryption crusader Lindsey Graham and also Richard Blumenthal and other legislators who continually use the specter of online child exploitation <coughs> to argue for the weakening of encryption. Remember that we discussed this back in December, end of last year. While grilling Facebook and Apple, Lindsay threatened to regulate encryption unless the companies gave law enforcement access to encrypted user data while pointing to child abuse. He said, quote, you're going to find a way to do this or we're going to do it for you. Mm, we're not going to live. Yeah, we're not going to live in a world. Oh, did you hear about how the our illustrious DOJ it gets is in, is in the loop here? <clears throat> anyway, we're not going to live in a world where a bunch of child abusers have a safe haven to practice their craft. Period, said Lindsay. End of discussion, close quote. So the EFF notes that one of the problems with the Earn It bill, among many, is that the proposed legislation offers no meaningful solution to the problem of ch child exploitation. In other words, it's got nothing to do with it. <clears throat> the EFF wrote, Quote, it doesn't help organizations that support victims. It doesn't equip law enforcement agencies with resources to investigate claims of child exploitation or training in how to use online platforms to catch perpetrators. Rather, the bill's authors have shrewdly used defending children as the pretense for an attack on our free speech and security online. It's a straw man. Uh-huh. If passed, the legislation will create a, quote, National Commission on Online Child Sexual Exploitation and Prevention. Okay, is that an acronym? Doesn't look like it. Uh, tasked with developing, oh, here it is, best practices for owners of Internet platforms to, quote, prevent, reduce, and respond to child exploitation online. But... As the EFF maintains, best practices would essentially translate to legal requirements. They said if a platform failed to adhere to them, it would lose essential legal protections for free speech, meaning Section 230. It turns out that the best practices approach arose from a pushback over the bill's predicted effects on privacy and free speech. They had to get extra slimy pushback that caused its authors to roll out the new structure. The best practices would be subject to approval or veto by the attorney general, currently William Barr, who has himself already issued a public call for backdoors. The Homeland of the Secretary of Homeland Security, who has made a similar call, 
the chair of the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, ditto again. Everybody wants uh, encryption bypass. CNET talked to Lindsay Barrett, who's a staff attorney at Georgetown uh, Law Institute for Public Representation, Communications, and Technology, who said that the way that the bill is structured is a clear indication that it's meant to target encryption. He said, when you're talking about a bill that is structured for the attorney general to give his opinion and have decisive influence over what the best practices are, it does not take a rocket scientist to, co- to, to concur, he said, that this is designed to target encryption. If the bill passes, the choice for tech companies comes down to either weakening their own encryption and endangering the privacy and security of all their users or foregoing Section 230 protections and potentially facing a liability wave of lawsuits. A senior (coughs) legal counsel for the ACLU said the removal of Section 230 liability essentially makes the best practices a requirement. The cost of doing business without those immunities is too high. So, bravo, you slimy snakes. (laughs) The thing that makes it slimy is if they were to be forthright and propose a bill, look, we don't like um, the fact that bad guys, including predators, child predators, can hide behind encryption. Let's make encryption illegal. If they were to propose that bill, which is really what they want, everybody, we'd, we'd all stand up and say, no, no. So they're sneaking it in. They don't mention, as Blumenthal pointed out, we just mention encryption. It just has the impact. It's actually clever. Yep. But it points out that there isn't, I don't think, and they've, they've run up against this before, the will in this country. People understand why breaking encryption is a bad thing. So they're not going to, they're going to sneak around us. So we all have to sit up and take notice. Section 230 has been under assault for one, for a long time. And that's another yes. big problem. Yes. Yes. It's gives, yeah. It and gives uh, these online companies the same kind of protection the phone company has. At the, you cannot prosecute AT&T... If a if bad guy calls plans, you up and, yeah, calls you up and said plans, let's plan an attack on the United States. You can't say, oh, that's AT&T's fault. It's not AT&T's job to listen to every phone call and make sure nobody's planning sedition. And no and one we would don't propose want that. that. No. Yes, we don't want that in our society. It would make the phone company untenable. It wouldn't use it. So, well, that's the other side of this is you can't stop encryption. It's done. Right, right. So this is push just pushes it underground, eliminates protections for us, normal people, honest people, and uh, and and makes it possible for bad guys to get into anything we do as well. Such a bad idea. Uh, there is a yeah. petition and, you can sign. I mean, I would go out and do that. Let them know that they didn't fool us. Well, and the problem is by 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 so cleverly cutting this pie the way they have, where they made the cut. One also wonders, I mean, clearly this will be challenged. It'll go through the courts. It'll, it may end up getting uh, up to the Supreme Court. And again, it's like, oh, you know, would it get overturned or not? I mean, uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. OK, I'm going to do one more and then take a break for our last uh, spot and okay. give one final burst of energy. Uh the, I, I wanted to share with our listeners 
and I created a grc.sc shortcut for it. grc.sc slash COVID, C-O-V-I-D. Ars Technica is, has assembled a, the best backgrounder that I've seen. They have a writer for them, uh, Beth, I guess it's Mole, or maybe Mole, uh, M-O-L-E. Uh, she's their health this reporter. This is great. This is so good. She's, yes. She's <clears throat> interested in everything from biomedical research. This is from her bio. Biomedical research to infectious disease, health policy, and law. And she loves all things micro, microbial. Beth has a bachelor's in biology and world music from the College of William and Mary and a Ph.D. in microbiology from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, I've, I learned things there that I had seen nowhere else. For example, COVID-19. Uh, what happened to 16, 17, and 18? Well, nope. It turns out that it's right? it's from the year yeah. 2019. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, the, and, and she talks about the related strains, the, the other things, the, the, um, the other two, you know, SARS, as, as we call it. And then there's the, the something that de- dealt with more with the Middle East where dromedaries were the first, w- yeah. were the intermediary animal. Um, that's uh, MERS. So, yeah, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. Yeah, that's right, MERS. So anyway, I, I, for anyone who wants just a no BS, clear, clean, f- incredibly factual walkthrough, uh, uh, she's been maintaining it daily. The la- uh, last it was updated that I saw was March fifteenth. I'm sure that they'll be refreshing it. So again, grc.sc/covid will just easily bounce you to it and. I can't recommend it highly enough. It was definitely worth reading during our present crazy times. All right, take a break. You poor guy. I'm feeling for you. I've never missed an episode, Leo, and I'm not letting a global pandemic uh, (laughs) create an exception. Pandemic can't knock him down. Nothing can. You're the only person I know who has a credible story that you probably had it or have it. So take care of yourself, please. We, we can't afford to lose Steve Gibson. You're a national treasure, Steve. I'm not going anywhere. Sorry. <laughs> Good. I'm going to get to my 999. How old will you be at 999? Will you be 70? I don't know. You don't want to think about somebody it. Will, somebody will figure it out. You're a young 65, that's for sure. That Ooh. is, I'm, I really do feel that's the case. I, I have no, I have, I'm on no medication, no prescriptions. No, no, my, blood, my blood tests are all right yeah. down the, 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 the center of the reference range. So I'm, I'm okay. And low blood pressure. It was 108. Wow. Six, that is low. 69 the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was 109 at the doctor's. He said, do you, do you, do you feel faint when you stand up? <laughs> So be careful. <laughs> Our show today brought to you by Worldwide Technology. We were there. We went to St. Louis. We had such a good time. You would have loved this, Steve. We got a tour of the Advanced Technology Center. This is a uh, research and testing lab that Worldwide Tech has built over the last 10 years at their St. Louis headquarters. It's actually housed in their original headquarters and then has grown past that. I think it's in three or four buildings now. It's huge. And inside it is all kinds of cool enterprise technology. Everything is in there. Um, And the reason they built this is, of course, 
so that uh, their engineers could spin up pilots, could test equipment before they sell it, could help their customers, their worldwide technology customers, understand and integrate new technologies. The lab has more than half a billion dollars in equipment, hundreds of OEMs. And we went down the aisles in the, in the network center, and just you look in the racks, and there's just all sorts of cool stuff from heavyweights like Cisco and NetApp and VMware to exciting emerging disruptors like Tanium and, and Equinix and Expanse. They're all in this rack. They all are integrated one with another. You would have liked this, Steve. They even have a cage over in the back. There's a, there are about four, uh, you know, maybe 30-foot racks in the back in a cage. And I said, what's that? They said, that's air-gapped. That's the malware testing area. They have an nice. air-gapped malware testing area because they do a lot of works for big banks and, you know, really important institutions. They said the, the bank said, can you keep that far away over there? It's really cool. It's pretty. It's lit up. But more, more important than pretty and lit up, it's there for you as a WWT customer. It's a true incubator for IT innovation. You would have loved this. They had a, a like a Pelican case, eh, about yay big. You know, it's like a carry-on. And inside, yeah. there was antennas. There was a Raspberry Pi. There's all this stuff. They said, yeah, we built that for the military uh, during the Gulf War. So this is pretty old. Uh, it was a mesh networking system designed to fit in a backpack so that the soldiers could go out in the field and basically establish their own intranet as they progressed through the battle area wild stuff so they have a you know a little it's like a little display they have all sorts of cool stuff i mean we met a lot of the engineers many of them fans of yours they said leo leo say hi to steve um they're in there they're getting every day they get to to, to do stuff but here's the cool thing you do too because wwt offers an on-demand schedulable labs in all of these areas like cisco's aci segmentation migration hundreds of other labs representing all the latest uh Advances in endpoint security architecture, uh, software-defined networking, network automation, primary and secondary storage, the Cisco umbrella, which we used. This is one of the great security solutions. Uh, learn about products before you launch them. WWT's engineers use these environments to quickly spin up proofs of concept and pilots using the sandbox. That way, you know, they can present to the customers. We also saw they have... We they have a uh, <laughs> there's so much cool stuff. I they have a display with cameras on. The, they have various distribution centers all over the, the all over the world, where they put together you know these products for customers, and they they said yeah every one of them has a carpenter on staff a carpenter on staff because we don't ship the customers the parts we shipped it fully integrated and wired and ready to go so we have to build custom crates with special shock absorbing mountings and things so that we can ship this stuff safely so we've got carpenters it was so cool building this stuff uh i it's i had no idea the scale the magnitude and the, and the sophistication of what wwt is up to and this lab of, as a service is so amazing you can go right now to wwt.com slash twit and check it out a lot of it's online there's case studies, there's articles, there's all sorts of tools that make the difference in today's, you know, really fast-moving world of technology. The lab as a service is so cool. This is a dedicated lab space within the ATC where you can perform, customers can perform programmatic testing using all of this half-billion-dollar ecosystem. 
And because it's virtual, you don't have to even go to St. Louis, and it's available 24-7. WWT launched this last summer, and their new digital platform encompasses the entire ATC ecosystem. Except I'm thinking the malware cage. You probably can't get in there. I'm just thinking all but the malware cage. The ecosystem creates a multiplier effect of knowledge, speed, and agility anytime, anywhere around the world. Just for you, your WWT customer. Get access to all of this stuff, including the hands-on labs, when you go to WWT.com slash twit. Sign up for access to this on-demand lab platform. It's easy. It, you can create an account. It's free. WWT simplifies the complex. WWTWorldWideTechnology.com slash twit. By the way, the WWT story is fascinating, too. It's, it's a really great company. And I, had, I really didn't know anything about them. I'm sure a lot of you who are working in enterprise go, oh, yeah, we know WD. I hadn't, I didn't realize. So are you are like, a, are you like Ingram Micro? Are you a distributor? What? Do you, no, 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 no. Far beyond that. Find out. Go to www.t.com slash twit. Worldwide technology delivering business and technology outcomes all over the world. And if you ever get to St. Louis, you got to check out the ATC or do it online. Actually, there's a lot of great stuff online. Uh, all right, Steve. You're uh, almost they really do like they really do like their W's because you got not a www. I said, which, can which, I not say www? They said, that's fine. <laughs> Just WWT. <laughs> well, it, it's, it puts me in mind of something that's the, an impact that the, all this has had for, um, for Lori and me. We were very much looking forward to uh, attending a, uh, a, a presentation by W, uh, which was going to be uh, early in April. Uh, we we subscribe you mean, to George but, but, W. Bush W. Yes, yes. 40, He's coming 45, to forty three. What is he? Forty three. Wow. Yeah, he was. Yeah, um, and you know, I just like to hug him and apologize for all the horrible things I said about him <laughs> at the time. He's looking mighty good now, isn't he? <laughs> How do you like me now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what did he say at the inauguration? Do you remember that? He no. had a. I, I can't say it. It's a little profane. <laughs> look it up. Just look up. What did W say? Oh, I do. I, now I know what you're talking about. When you said profane, it's like okay, yes, that went into a different. It was categorized differently. <laughs> this is some weird Stuff. S word. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Okay. okay. <clears throat> On we go. So We're anyway, going to get you uh, through this long march, please. So I'm sorry you're going to miss that. Yes, we we are too. Uh, it, it's the distinguished the distinguished speakers series, and it was uh, uh, I don't know uh, maybe eight different high no highly known uh, speakers who oh, came cool. oh, uh, you know like every month and gave I a presentation to See, to our that. big yeah yeah. Neat. So and I uh, <laughs> it it also is impacted. We're we are going to do a LastPass event with you. I'm very excited uh, about right. that in uh, May. I think May 14th. But that's going to be virtual now. You were going to come up. I was looking forward to seeing you. But I think uh, the wise thing to do would be to put that online. Oh well, you can't. Can you? I don't. I mean, you. I it would be very lonely. It'd be lonely. <laughs> Lori, before you guys switched it to virtual, she said, "Honey, I'll drive." She said, I'm not getting on a plane. No. And I said, well, okay, thank you, honey. But then, then I've got Well, you're switched. always welcome to drive up here, and I'll just stand six feet away and wave at you. It'll be great. Yeah, well, I'm not going anywhere until this is – No, you know, I think you better, that, better. What I What I feel is just this profound fatigue 
And that's what's so unusual eight days in. I just, I bounce back in three or four. So this, to me, this says, this is something new that my body is busy dealing with. And it's, you know, it's letting me be functional largely, but I don't have nearly the energy that I I typically do. So I'm able to give it. In, in, we're going to be done in five minutes. When we're done, go to bed, and you don't have to do next week. If you're not 100%, let's take next week off. Honestly. Well, Leo, that's going to be two weeks. I'll, I'll be with bells on. <laughs> okay. The SMB ghost fiasco. Okay. So this also happened last week. Ah, and it's just crazy. And, and it had the whole industry like, what the heck? Although Microsoft has not commented, what appears to have happened is that Microsoft had become aware of an extremely critical flaw residing in its implementation of the latest version, which is version 3.1.1 of its SMB file and resource sharing protocol. You know, SMB, version 3.1.1. And it had prepared a fix for this problem. But for whatever reason, Microsoft apparently decided at the last minute to pull it, not to include it in this last Tuesday's March Madness patch fest. Um, Perhaps they wanted to wait until April. Who knows? They're not saying, but we'll see why that was the likely, why that was likely the right call at the time. What we do know is that News of the apparently planned but canned vulnerability uh, update became public knowledge last Tuesday on Patch Tuesday. I have a, 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 a screen capture <coughs> snippet from Malware Hunter team that says a wormable SMB v3 vulnerability, great, dot, 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 and then the, the crying tears emoji. And this reads, and then the screen capture from clearly one of the official reports, CVE 2020-0796 is a remote code execution vulnerability. Okay, so we we know there were 25. There were actually 26. But this one got, we'll see, the evidence is it got pulled. So 0796 is a remote code execution vulnerability in Microsoft server message block 3.0. 3.0. An attacker could exploit this bug by sending a specially crafted packet to the target SMB3 server, which the victim needs to be connected to. Users are encouraged to disable SMBv3 compression and block TCP port 445 on firewalls and client computers, which is a tantamount to saying <laughs> stop using SMB. Uh, the exploitation of this vulnerability opens systems up to a wormable, and that's the thing that scares everybody, attack, which means it would be easy to move from victim to victim. So that appeared on Tuesday, March 10th. So Shades of WannaCry and Not Petya, those were also SMB, SMB wormable flaws. Uh, the flaw in SMB3 could not be more critical. Uh, those two infamous SMB worms exploited the flaws in SMB1, um, but this was a flaw in Microsoft's most recent release of SMB. In fact, 
so recent that it affected only 32 and 64-bit versions of Windows 10 and server with releases 1903 and 1909. So what's that? The last year, right? Because I have uh, 1909 on my most recent things. And so the one – and they, they last for six months. So for the last year. Because earlier versions don't support the SMB v3.1.1 protocol. So for whatever reason, actually it's because Microsoft added compression, uh, the earlier versions of v3 didn't have this problem. Microsoft made a mistake. And of course, anytime you hear compression, you just our, our audience just nods wisely and says, ah, interpreters, yes. Um, no technical details have been published. But short and official summaries describing the bug were posted on the websites of two cybersecurity firms. This is what's weird, is that it wasn't in the set. But they posted them, Cisco, Talos, and Fortinet. Cisco's entry for it was quickly taken down once it became clear that this maximally critical vulnerability was absent from the Patch Tuesday rollout. It was expected but missing. Fortinet's entry was definitive, and I have a a, a link here in the show notes to their entry about this. They wrote, quote, that is Fortinet wrote, the vulnerability is due to an error when the vulnerable software handles a maliciously crafted compressed data packet. A remote, unauthenticated attacker can exploit this to execute arbitrary code within the context of the application. They didn't add within the context of the server because both ends of an SMB v3.1.1 connection turn out to be vulnerable. And anytime we hear compression, yep, we know that an an interpreter uh, is underlying the the problem. Okay, next, the guys over at the cybersecurity firm Cryptos Logic performed an internet-wide scan for all public systems or networks exposing the default port 445 to, you know, the public internet. And rather than just scanning for 443, and boy, stand back, unfortunately, they checked the version of the SMB answering at each discovered port and determined that approximately 48,000 Windows 10 hosts, whether servers or clients, but actually servers because they were accepting connections, 48,000 Windows 10 uh, servers are or were vulnerable to attacks targeting this SMB v3.1.1 vulnerability. Uh, And anyone who's curious, it turns out, can do the same. There are several vulnerability scanners designed to detect Windows devices exposed to attacks uh, posted over on GitHub, uh, including one created by Danish security researcher Alipone, who we've spoken of many times in the past. It's designed to determine whether SMB3 is enabled on the device and whether the compression capability that uh, tri- that triggers the bug is enabled. So yes, anybody who's interested can grab a copy of that and run it on, against the public internet and find out how bad the problem still is. Okay, so this leaves us with the question of how the information leaked and, and there are two theories currently circulating. The first one looks at the Common Vulnerability Reporting Framework, CVRF, and Microsoft's Active Protections Program, that's MAPP. 
these systems provide Microsoft with a mechanism for sharing details about upcoming patches with trusted industry partners. Certainly those two are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say more were, but no, I'm sure they still are. Such as antivirus makers and hardware vendors. The theory here is that Microsoft may have shared a list of upcoming vulnerabilities slated for March. And after all, remember that they are staging the previous months. I uh, forgot what they call it. The the uh, it's not, it's not hot something fi- anyone ever fixes. wants. Uh, it, it's it's the it's the cumulative updates, but it they they it's an optional because it's for the it's for the upcoming month. So they sort of have them there. Oh, the like insiders uh, getting them ready. ready. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's like a, a, a sure preview a of the preview of coming disasters. <laughs> anyway, I mean attra- attra- attractions. Patches. So the theory is they may have shared the list of upcoming vulnerabilities, but then removed the bug, that is the patch, from the list with little time for some vendors, namely Cisco Talos and Fortinet, to update their own security advisory pages in time. Uh, Someone with the handle Regnil tweeted, Microsoft releases early versions of their CVRF2 map and then pulls CVEs at the last minute without telling anyone. When they then fail to publish the public CVRF in a timely manner, it's understandable that mistakes like this will happen. (coughs) Oh, which which suggests that the CVE was where that description came from and that that they, they grabbed the CVE, you know, registered it with that, but said, you know, keep it, private uh, and, and so forth. So the second theory is that the info about CVE 2020-0796 was accidentally shared via the Microsoft API, which some AV vendors, sysadmins, and reporters scrape for information about Patch Tuesday patches as soon as they come out. So there's there's an API which is, is, is essentially allows bots and other, you know, automated access in a, in a uniform format, thus application program interface, to this information. So the working theory there is that the bug may have been initially scheduled to be patched last week, but was later pulled without being removed from the API's backend database, thus eventually making its way into the Talos and Fortinet advisories. Microsoft, for their part, has been mum about all of this, reportedly not returning anyone's request for comment. And at the time, they would not even say when a patch for what we knew on Tuesday was a glaring disaster just waiting to happen would be delivered. Knowing enough about the nature of the problem, which was a convenient side benefit of the inadvertent disclosure, many sites quickly posted their recommendations for immediate remediation they all said users are encouraged to disable V3 compression on S- for SMB V3 compression and block TCP port 445 on firewalls and client computers. Now, of course, <coughs> most individuals were never in any danger from this, just as they were not from WannaCry. As we know, our NAT routers are all behind a a, a a stateful, essentially a stateful firewall that simply drops anything inbound like scanner probes, you know, TCP SYN probes, 
do any port that's not where where it's not expected. So if it's not a reply returning from something we initially initiated outbound, it's got nowhere to go and it's just ignored. So what happened next? Two days later, Thursday, March 12th, Microsoft released a security advisory just as though this had been its plan all along. I have a link in the show notes to the advisory. In their advisory, they write, kind of happily with a cheery attitude, a remote code execution vulnerability exists in the way that the Microsoft server message block 3.1.1 SMBV3 protocol handles certain requests. An attacker who successfully exploited the vulnerability could gain the ability to execute code in the target server or client. To exploit the vulnerability against a server, an unauthenticated attacker could send a specially crafted packet to a targeted server. To exploit the vulnerability against a client, an unauthenticated attacker would need to configure a malicious SMB3 server and convince a user to connect to it. The, the security update, or they, then they said, the security update addresses the vulnerability by correcting how SMB v3 protocol handles these specially crafted requests. Uh, then they said, under mitigations, none. Under workarounds, and they had one. They said, the following workaround may be helpful in your situation. In all cases, Microsoft strongly recommends that you uh, install the updates for this vulnerability as soon as they become available, even if you plan to leave this workaround in place. And then they have a means for issuing a PowerShell command, uh, which you can also technically do from just the regular command shell. Uh, basically, it's just it's setting a parameter under current control, uh, current control set services landman server parameters, the they're they're setting disable compression to equal one a D word value of one, and forcing the change. No reboot is necessary. The workaround they said does not prevent exploitation of SMB clients. Please see item two in the fact to protect clients. They said SMB compression. Get this is not yet used by Windows or Windows Server. And disabling SMB compression has no negative impact on performance, which kind of makes you wonder why it's enabled now if they don't use it. But that's Microsoft. Hmm. Um, and then they give a means for turning it back on after the storm has passed. So if it's not uh, used, so, turn it off, right? I mean, there's no reason yeah, ex exact, it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So an examination of all available evidence strongly suggests that this supercritical bug was at first going to be patched on Tuesday. Then for some reason, Microsoft pulled it at the last minute, but not before their original intentions had been broadcast to their security partners. Reading the description of the problem uh -huh. makes clear that this would be yeah. really bad. Yeah. So some curious George went looking for Tuesday's patch and found it missing. Mm -hmm. That made news, you know, OMG. And then Microsoft was, was pretty much forced to release the patch two days later. But wait... There's more. <laughs> and the other shoe dropped. Can you guess what? Mm. If you guessed a multitude of botched installations and other problems, you get the brass ring. Uh. Having attempted to put this out into the world after the news of the problem had been mistakenly published, it now appears that Microsoft's original decision to hold this one back until it was fully ready was correct. Because at the moment... It appears to be anything but ready. Uh, the fix to this vulnerability is KB4551762. 
According to user reports, it's failing to install and worse. It's throwing – all of them begin with zero, uh, uh, hex uh, 800. So we have FO81F4005-73701, F0988-91160, 240016 errors during the installation process. Uh, and there's stuff posted all over Microsoft's forums and Reddit and everywhere. <clears throat> One had the subject, Win 10 Updates Giving Me Grief. He writes, so I've had this issue since 7165, but the, la but the latest 7162 also giving me the same problem. Basically, after it installs, it gets to 7% on the working on updates part, then tells me that it failed and it's undoing changes. Since 7165 had people complaining about bugginess and the like, I figured maybe that specific update was the issue and used the tool that lets you hide updates. Sadly, the current update is giving me the same issue, and I've done all the things like DISM, deleting the software distribution folder, using the update troubleshooter, check disk, etc. Everything is supposedly fine, even though there's clearly something wrong. Writing, or it's like he said, kind of at my wit's end. I don't. I, I know I can just hide slash pause updates, but it's not exactly a good idea to do for extended periods. What can I do? And of course, we also know that Windows 10 has taken effective control away from its users, so we can temporarily defer updates, but in no instance for very long. <laughs> Someone else said, "Stuck when update." He said, "My laptop current." in version 1909, uh, KB4532693, uh, but when I up, meaning the current roll-up, but when I update to KB4551762, the new one, my device show we couldn't complete the updates. Undoing changes, don't turn off your computer, and stuck there. Thank you. <laughs> so users are posting on Microsoft's official feedback hub. By the way, I tried to go there and I learned I had to install an application in order oh, to look at the feedback crazy. hub. Jeez. So it's like, oh, really? No, thank you. Uh, on the Microsoft community website and on Reddit, that none of the – they're all saying – and these are you know people who hang out in these places – none of the usual workarounds for the many various errors helped. Uh, we also had FO988 and FO900 installation errors spotted and reported by Gunter Bourne one day after the, the release. So that would have been last Friday. Um, <clears throat> one user reported through Microsoft's feedback hub, quote, manual Windows update on the local client works once. It finds the patch, then does nothing. One can attempt to download and install from that page, but it doesn't work. Next, go to the catalog, select correct configuration, download the patch, attempt to install, doesn't. Another user said, when downloading this update, my PC started becoming slow and sluggish. The update got stuck at 100%. I restarted the PC, then Windows updates broke and started looping for a while when, they, when checking updates. It's now back to normal, <laughs> but now I have a failed cumulative update. Someone on Reddit wrote, so I've had this issue since KB4497165, uh, uh, and this is a repeat pretty much of what the earlier guy said. So those were just the installation problems, and they may have been a saving grace for those users since the update 
is installing, uh, so, so once the update is installed, all manner of things start going sideways. Uh, although they are less numerous than the reports of installation failures, there are CPU usage spikes, high disk system usage spikes, system shutdowns, and freezes. One user wrote, these issues began yesterday, 3.13.20. The update 2020-03 cumulative update for Windows 10 version 1909 for X64 based systems, KB4551762, has failed every time I try to install it with the error code, and he's got a new one. Uh, It's uh, 71160. I think that was new. When the issue began... My disk drive also went to 100% with no change. I restarted my PC multiple times, but both issues persisted. Or then we have, after installing, KB4551762 and KB4540673, my system has gone to trash. Extremely slow and takes ages. Okay, I'm tired of reading these. Anyway, they, I, <laughs> as I bet Microsoft interest. is too. It's like wow. But the fact that uh, not everybody has this problem. Frequently, Microsoft's bugs end up an interaction between that and something that others people have installed, yes. but not everybody has yes. installed. Yes, and this sounds and, like that. You know, yes, and and so on one hand, we can say, okay, Microsoft, we're sorry that. This system has become so fragile, making it necessary for you to test widely anything you do for these corner cases, but you've written a fragile system. Right. Clearly. I mean, we're talking about a patch to fix a problem in SMB compression and that they're not using – which and is really there for the last year. Is it possible some there. app used it or I don't know. I, I don't weird. know. Yeah. Um, I do. I, in case any of our listeners are are in or know of someone in this problem, there is a procedure <clears throat> which has worked. Um, there's a video, a YouTube video produced by Microsoft Support, which I've linked to in the at the end of the show notes here. It's a final Hail Mary for when your system is seriously borked and nothing else works. Uh, basically, uh, it's a means for – for um, use. I think I had – it's called a Windows 10 in-place upgrade, which preserves all your stuff. But basically, it does a, an amalgamation of the past, binds it into – a, a, an installation image and then puts that back on your system so you are able to to you know and so anyway this video uh, may be of use to somebody uh, to verify the the criteria uh, and uh, it may be the only solution for recovering from this in wow. some cases wow. so it appears that Microsoft must have had I mean you know they don't want this bug out there they must have had some idea that this 4551762 might not be ready for prime time uh-huh. and therefore pulled it back at the last minute. Uh, and in retrospect, this was probably the right decision. Uh, the problem is as critical as it gets. But on the other hand, we've seen that the total public exposure is around 48,000 systems, not 48 million. And it wasn't a zero day. At the time, it was completely unknown and not known to be exploited in the wild. 
So you could argue that, I mean, that someone probably did. You know, this is causing problems. Let's just wait until we see a zero-day report, and then we'll drop it instantly and we'll be heroes. And, and so in the meantime, let's see if we can make it work better because uh, we had reports that it's not. Um, and it could have withstood. It had remained a secret. It absolutely could have withstood clearly another month of development. It would have rolled out in April. Everyone would have said, oh, thank you for patching this problem that we didn't know we had, that you created, uh, but at least nobody got hurt by it. Uh, now we've got this wacky patch that nobody is happy with. So just an unbelievable, here we are, third mm. patch Tuesday of the year. Poor Microsoft. It, yeah. you know, if, oh, yeah. The thing is, if it's a third party doing something wrong, that's part of the issue with Microsoft, of course, a billion and a half installs. That's good point, too. You're right. If, so, if something has got its hooks in, if something has got its hooks into the OS. Right. And yeah. maybe, you know, it's mm. developers do all sorts of bad things. Maybe somebody found this compression routine and wrote a program and said, well, it's there. I could use it and uses it. Or, you know, there's all um, sorts of things that could be caused. Okay, so there is a well-known term, hooking the API. Yeah. That's bad. Not okay. Not okay. That's, that's like the but fact that hooking all the, time hooking on, the on Windows. Yes, yes, because Microsoft doesn't give people a non-hooked right. non -hooked ability right. to do what they want to do. Right. And so Microsoft imagines that they can just like, no, we're, all, we're not going to tell you about this stuff. And unfortunately, people who, I mean, you know, Symantec and I don't mean to pick on them. They just came to mind quickly because they're big, uh, vast and so forth. All of these antivirus companies do yeah, this. Yeah. You know, they're, they're paying their engineers to solve the problem. Right. So the engineer who's happy to stay at home, especially now, rolls up his, sleeve, his or her sleeve and says, I'm going to find a way to hook this sucker so that I can, you know, get a brownie point at work. Mm -hmm. And so, yep. If you're allowed to be in the kernel with the rest of the kernel, if you're allowed to, if you're allowed to be in ring zero, then you know that involves mutual trust because there are no rules down there. Right. And so all the AVs have to have a service component that runs in the kernel, and nothing prevents them from misbehaving. So I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because that, that that's really is probably the case that it isn't sloppy coding. It's because you know the the fact that such a a smattering of total users have right, the problem right. says suggests that there's something those people have in common. It's also why Microsoft's doing Windows 10X, which is going to come out this fall, which is a containerized version of Windows. And they, they want to do that, uh, I suspect, to isolate these issues into containers. So if it does cause a problem, at least doesn't bork the whole thing. It only borks the individual containers. It'll it'll protect the operating system against rogue programs. I think, I, th I bet that that's the intent. Steve, feel better. I am so glad that you have such a commitment to coming in. But seriously, dude, you are on death's door. Go to bed. <laughs> we need you here next week and every week after that. If you don't feel better next week, call in. I won't sick. tell you. <laughs> yeah, I know you won't. Here, just gargle some Purell and go to bed. No, don't. I shouldn't even <laughs> no, say no, that no. in jest. Do not. not. Uh, that'll blind and not you. Not bleach either. Don't <laughs> no, do that. Don't. Jeez, God, please. there's so much idiocy out there. Again, grc.sc/slash/covid. C-O-V-I-D. Ars Technica's 
backgrounder is written by a PhD microbiologist is so compelling. Yeah. For our listeners Ours, who like it does a knocks it out of the, the park with everything they do, security, reviews, they are just they have a standard that is just I think above and beyond. I'm always, you know, happy to consult them. If they say it, I believe it. Steve Gibson, same thing, man. That's why you got to listen every Tuesday at about 1:30 Pacific, 4:30 Eastern, 21:30, I'm sorry, 20:30 UTC. Uh, Steve's getting out of here. Go, go, Steve. Go, Steve. You can catch him at Thank his Thank you, website. everybody. I'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. You can catch him at his website, grc.com. That's where Spinrite lives, but which is his bread and butter, but all sorts of other free stuff, discussions about squirrel. It's actually a really great resource. Look at his health resources for vitamin suggestions. I can just go on and on. And you will, too. It's a it's a rabbit hole you'll want to go down, grc.com. If you want to message him, there is a feedback form there, grc.com slash feedback. But it might be better to do it on Twitter. He's always on Twitter, at sggrc, and he accepts direct messages. So you can DM him, at sggrc. When you go to get uh, security now on the site, you'll see there's a 16-kilobit version. There is a 64-kilobit version. Those are both audio. And there's a transcript. He pays to get a very nice transcript written by Elaine Ferris. Thank you, Elaine, who does a really stunning job. It's very good. And a lot of people, I think, because this show can be challenging, like to read along while they're listening to it. So get those all at grc.com. We have audio, but we also have video at our website, twit.tv slash sn. Uh, you can go there, get the... Uh, little bit of show notes if you want. Most of the best show notes are at Steve's site. Uh, you can watch us do it live, as I said, on Tuesdays. That's twit.tv slash live. Best thing you could do, if you ask me, subscribe. Then it's a no-brainer. You'll just have it. Uh, if you subscribe in your favorite podcast application, it'll download the minute it's available and you have it. Uh, you can go to YouTube. Subscribe there, too. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's also on, I always forget to mention this, but I'm going to mention it now. Uh, it's on Amazon Echo. It's on Google Home Assistant. It, it probably, for all I know, it's on Siri and Cortana, too. Just ask for it by name. Say, Voice Assistant, play Security Now podcast. Sometimes adding podcasts makes that work a little bit better. Uh, and it should play. The most recent version should play. The live stream is also available if you say, Echo, play Twit Live. Uh, most of the time that works. It doesn't always work. Don't know why. Most of the time that works so you can listen to the live stream. If you are listening live, go on into the uh, chat room, irc.twit.tv, a great place uh, to get all of the, you know, the background chatter. And a lot of smart people in there, too. It's a, it's a very good place uh, to hang out. And this week, uh, if you are sheltering in place, if you're self-isolating or quarantining, the chat room is a great resource for you. They're there 24-7. Um, there's somebody to talk to. Uh, some really nice people. Our mods are, are the best in the business. Um, there's always a moderator in there, uh, but there are also a lot of great people who are listening to the show. irc.twit.tv. Uh, if, you, if you need some friends in this tough time, we're here for you, and they're here for you. Uh, I will be back tomorrow, Windows Weekly. We're going to interrupt right in the middle because Microsoft has a stream about their new uh, Xbox One Sexy. And uh, that... <laughs> That'll that'll be uh, I think eleven uh, forty right in the middle of Windows Weekly. So we'll stop. We'll start Windows Weekly as part of it. We'll show this Microsoft event, and then of course this week in Google. Stay tuned. In about an hour from now, all about Android. 
We're trying to be here as much as possible for you. Our hosts are working out of their houses in most cases. Our staff is as well. There's only a skeleton crew here at the uh, LastPass Studios um, because we want to all keep everybody uh, healthy. I'm isolated too. I'm in my own office. No one can come in here. So I feel like this is a safe place for me uh, to do the show. Thank you. Stay healthy. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And we'll see you next time on Security Now. Security Now.